Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I thought I left you Somewhere in Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with singer-songwriter Minnie Birch. I spoke to Minnie for the online launch party for my new album Homeworking and edited up a couple of five-minute videos of us chatting about subjects relating to the album. This is the full conversation which touches on many subjects, including songwriting, putting on shows and health challenges. You can find Minnie at minibirch.co.uk. It would be fantastic if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, as doing that helps more people to discover it. It's also very useful when I'm talking to potential new guests, as it shows that people are listening. Thank you. I have a new album on the way. It's released on Bandcamp on the 21st of October and elsewhere on the 5th of November. I'm currently running a pre-order campaign for the album, which is helping me to finish the project both financially and emotionally. It would be amazing if you could take a look and consider pre-ordering. All the details, as well as information about the other projects I'm working on, can be found on my website, robertlaymusic.co.uk, and I'm also on social media as Robert Lay Music. Here's a bit of the title track of the album, Homeworking. Here's my conversation with Minnie Birch. Hi, Minnie. How are you? Hello, Robert. I'm very good, thank you. It's a very nice sunny day here today. Good, and it's nice to see you. How have things been over the last little passage of time since we spoke last? Uh, Really lovely, thank you. Yeah, I've been out playing gigs for the first time in a while and like back at work and life is normal and fairly calm so yeah really lovely thank you oh that's excellent tell us about gigs then so you haven't haven't gigged at a extreme tempo for a while I believe so what's it been like to be back doing stuff yeah really lovely so I played a show um with said the maiden at um Kimpton Folk Festival which is always really lovely it was really lovely because it's like this lovely village folk festival I was with my two favorite people in the world sing with there were lots of my friends there but it was an outdoor festival and if you haven't which I haven't even sung in a mic for like a couple of years there was that element of like oh I forgot that there will be noise and outside dissipation of sound so it was um both lovely and also a bit like wow I'm back this is what live sound is like quite a thing to get used to um and then yeah just played a couple of um solo shows but I say solo but I was joined by Kathy from Send the Maiden we've been playing like as a bit of a duo and they were yeah, really, really lovely. It's really nice to be back kicking. Good. It's funny you say that about it's not the things that you expect that would be strange, is it? So I definitely had that the first time I did like a, a proper gig again. Because I've just been used to been singing in here, really, or mm. or acoustically, like in little house concerts and stuff. So then to have a PA, and the main sort of thought is, PA sound a bit shit, don't they? <laughs> it's like, did they always? <laughs> uh, and I just didn't notice as much or... Or, I don't know, we were all just out of practice. It's a weird... But that's not something I was expecting to find strange. It's funny, isn't it? 
Well, I had the good fortune of you having told me this. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to practice singing into the microphone. I'm going to practice standing up because particularly with Said the Maiden, you can fall into the habit of we kind of sit down in a little circle in someone's room, front room or whatever, and we practice. And of course, when we're gigging, it's not like that. And Kathy's harmony part is like a person uh. and a bit away from me. And I'm like, oh, gosh, that's not I'm used to hearing it. So I was like, I must practice properly. But yeah, I think outside has its own layer of stuff and um as you know without the massive story I've been having a bit of physio on my arm and what I didn't take into account is how the temperature would impact its ability as Uh. well and it it was actually quite a nice day but just being out with any kind of wind outside I was a lot number in my hand (laughs) that I'd planned so there was just all the outdoor elements that I was yeah so it was it was a really joyful gig but I don't think I ever got completely lost in the music I was constantly kind of concentrating on trying to make it all come together and I think that I've shaken that off a bit now and I'm just able to really just enjoy it all again so good yeah were you nervous yeah I I was and I think um that's particularly with said the maiden it you're a teammate so I always don't want to kind of let the side down um but it's very hard to separate nerves and excitement. Mm-hmm. I think we've discussed that as friends before, haven't we? Like, what am I feeling about this music? Am I really nervous or am I excited? So it was, yeah, just a big mixture of both of them. But I hadn't, I hadn't really been anywhere either that I, to in a social sense at all for a long time. So there was like a lot. Yeah, that's overload. I think <laughs> that's a big thing as well, isn't it? Like going out and just driving to shows as well. Like for for so long, really, I wasn't driving that much, not very far. So then suddenly to remember, oh yeah, well actually going to a gig a couple of hours away is part of the gig is being fresh after having done a drive and all that and had some service mm. station stops and everything. So just out of practice. But I don't, I don't think I. I think the whole last few years, hopefully, has shown that people are pretty adaptable. I'm talking about this with someone who's like, so like lockdown was obviously such a mad idea uh, and all of that was so alien, but then it never became normal, but you adapted to it. And then not being in lockdown would have seemed quite weird at the time. And I think even people potentially were a bit fearful of it, but now it's like lockdown kind of didn't really happen for a lot of people, I think in a way. So it is interesting that just the human nature of how adaptable we are. And I think it's the same with shows, isn't it? The idea of not being able to do gigs was like horrific at the start, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then not doing them for me was like not nice, but kind of you accepted and you got a bit used to the idea that's not what you do at the moment. And then doing them to begin with feels weird, but then I'll so pretty soon we'll have all that. I had got myself into this mindset of I'll never get stressed about the things I was stressed about before. So like when I got really stressed about ticket sales and all that, doesn't matter now. We've gone through it. I'll play to two people. It doesn't matter. So that lasted about three minutes or three gigs. And I'm back at the other end of like, ah, all that other stuff that goes along with it. But um, it's interesting, isn't it? How soon it will become normal again, hopefully for both of us. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really nice marker of a challenging time is where something quite insignificant boils your blood. And Mm. then you think, oh, great. Things are getting normal again. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I also think when your when your resolve is low it it can be people might say well have you got upset over this when you know you've just had this big thing happen you've not been able to play for ages so why are you too worried that one chap heckled you from the bank but I think I think when your resolve is low it can just be the straw can't it Mm. because I've sort of found with like my own personal challenges in life I'm kind of waiting for that thing to kick in where apparently I'm supposedly going to be a lot stronger for it because I'm at the moment I'm not I'm I'm almost like just a bit weaker actually and like a strong wind might just blow me away so there's like a there's a progression you have to there's a journey isn't there you have to go through to get to that point where you're kind of strong enough from the setback to actually not be bothered by small things I think yeah yeah and then it's I, nice to get annoyed at silly things. Yeah, but I, and I suppose <laughs> the problem is there's you get annoyed by new small things because I think we discussed before that wherever, from what I've observed, wherever people are in musical arts or or anything life really, you look at somebody else. We try not to, but you can look at somebody else and be like, oh, they're doing that. I wish I was doing that. 
mm. not realizing that they're looking at someone else going, oh, listen to that. And then as you achieve each thing or as you get to each position, it's, you're just looking at the next one, I think. But again, when you were saying about being nervous, I try and tell like guitar students and stuff that if they're feeling nervous, it's because it's important to them. So actually, mm. that's actually, if you can think of it that way, it's quite a useful, can be quite a useful idea. And I suppose it's the same with this, isn't it? It's the ambition of wanting to get another step along or whatever. It's just it can have its negative consequences, I think, for people. Yeah, it's just frustrating how it manifests itself physically because as a guitar player and a singer, it's nearly always sweaty hands, dry throat, uh-huh. which are like the two things that I really don't need in that moment. So that's the frustration. But yeah, it's, it's important. I think it would be strange to take to a stage without some kind of nerves, wouldn't it? Because as you say, what what are you getting up there for? Yes, to if not feel you're anything. You're not really yeah. invested. Yeah. yeah. So to explain to people, we were doing a joint headline tour in like January, February, March of 2020. And... I don't know about you, but for me, they were like, the shows we got to do were all awesome. Like we had full houses, great receptive audiences. The the people putting the gigs on were all like people, I think at least one of us had gigged with before and we knew they were great. So they're great and the shows are really good. And they had that final one in Birmingham at the Tower of Song, which is a venue I'm very uh, keen on. And I think it was like the 7th of March, 2020 or something along those lines. And I can remember... <laughs> People coming into that room and like, oh, should we shake hands or not? Oh, ha, 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 ha. It was that level of COVIDness. And then it seems like within days, maybe a week or so, we had this whole new problem, which I've never encountered before. The government said venues and pubs and stuff are open, but we'd really rather people didn't go to them, which for people running events was a bit of a brain twister really because i'm thinking well usually the show must go on whatever like if england's playing on the screen in the pub you still play if you've broken your leg you still play if it's snowing and you know no one's going to come you still play but with this one i remember having conversations it's like well we can do the event we're happy to do it but should we be asking people to come out is that irresponsible Mm. and then it was kind of this weird Relief is a horrible word, really. But then once it was venues and everything had closed, at least we all knew where we stood. I I found that kind of a very strange period. But what are your sort of reflections on the tour itself and then having to stop and then having... Or that that middle bit where I I think we have to stop, do we? I'm not sure, really. Oh, yes, we do. (laughs) Yeah, I really hope that the stars align, that we can do something again. Because, as you said, we don't actually live near each other. So rather than kind of almost preparing to do anything together we were doing like a double headline tour but then just naturally through like hanging out in the sound check time and the times between gigs we was we were starting to like do stuff on each other's sets and I just yeah. think we were going to progress through that tour to really have like the grand finale was going to be like a mini Robert Robert mini like collaboration and I was really looking forward to that developing yeah. and what's really lovely for us is we have some incredible people who are coming out already in the couple of shows we did to more than one show and it was really nice to think actually they're going to get some bang for their buck here because <laughs> it actually is going to be a different show yeah and I think a lot of people do double headliners and I just think that's such a lovely way forward to kind of give people something that they're just not going to get on either person's record because normally the double headliners will collaborate together yeah. and particularly if you're a solo artist it's so nice to have that friendly same face that you can travel with or go get food with and yeah um I really was enjoying that tour and people like having us along we had such lovely venues lined up um but I yeah entirely agree with you that it did feel like um a relief to have the decision taken from us because it's not only that you could be disappointing people um who would want to come if you cancel it but there's also the fact that like the promoters and the sound engineers of the night that's that's actually their living so just deciding you don't want to go is putting them out of a night's work yeah but then on the other hand looking at the news from around the world be like that's it's actually a lot more serious if we invite somebody and then a group of people get unwell so it sounds you know really like just take the decision out of my hands it was quite nice to kind of have that decision but it yeah what a strange time because I remember after the Birmingham gig I played one more gig more local to me in Harpenden yeah 
And you decided not to come just because you and had a bit of a cough, I think. You were like, I probably shouldn't yeah, come. Yeah. And it's funny to think that you made that decision because within weeks it was like, if you have a cough, take yourself to a bunker underground. Like, yeah. you know, it was funny like how quickly it went from you just saying, doesn't really feel right to go out with any sort of cold symptoms to it being like, yeah, don't don't go out, don't even be in the same room as your family members. Yeah, that's true. So, I'd, I'd kind of yeah. forgotten about that actually, but I was supposed to be yeah. doing, I was supposed to be doing some filming as well, uh, and it was the last bit of this film that we've been working on for like the whole year, and it was quite a lot of people involved. It's like a group shot, and yeah, so I was unwell, and my wife was unwell, but she's she was an ITU nurse at the time, and she mm. it's like uh, so. And we didn't know what symptoms were. I can't remember when this was. But it was like, we're not sure. So we both felt a bit crappy. And it's like, oh, we could have COVID, I suppose, here, actually. Like, should we be going and being on a film set slash playing a gig and all that? And it, But again, it's that same thing. It doesn't feel right not to do things just because you've got a cough. Because like, I've dragged myself on stage when I'm literally, you know, nearly dead from flu or whatever it is. So to just stop because you got a bit of a cough felt a bit weird. But then... As you say, in not very long, that was that was how it was, I suppose. But collectively, that is a culture that I think a lot of us have lived under. And it was, I hoped what was going to be, or I think a lot of us hoped what was going to be one of the changes of the brave new world. So it is a little bit frustrating to see that culture creep back in of, yeah. you know, being expected to be at work and um, things, you know, and kind of work yourself to that state. I don't know, it was quite quickly for myself some people that I've had conversations with sort of like okay you don't you don't need to take the 10 days off work you you don't need five days you just need a negative test you just need it's like but if you've got flu symptoms you've got flu symptoms (laughs) like yeah yeah, so hopefully like a lot of people have learned but our collective memory is a funny old thing isn't it so we do move on quite quickly but I think that's partly how we've survived isn't it really yeah I think so but also it's difficult, isn't it, for, for freelancers or people who haven't got contracts in, in whatever yeah. jobs? Because for us, like, you don't play the gig, you don't get the money, like you're saying, with the science engineers and the rest of it. But then anyone who's got a job who's self-employed or is on a zero-hour contract or whatever, you haven't got the – I don't want to say luxury because it's not – it should be a luxury, but you haven't got that support if you're able if you're not able to work, which was yeah. one of the interesting things about the pandemic, wasn't it? Because all of a sudden there was – support not for everybody but for some people um i was lucky enough to to be in a position where i received support as a self-employed person which was great because i was able to do some of my works they're like this is what i want to talk about actually i pivoted like people i taught guitar and singing and music lessons to most of that went on to zoom which again itself was interesting because i'd tried this a bit before and a couple of people had like experimented with it and but people just didn't really like it as an idea. But then, of course, the whole zeitgeist of the world doing things on Zoom changed. So that was quite interesting in itself. And then, happily for me, you know, all of those people have continued to work that way because I think it's got a lot of advantages. Like I can work with people anywhere in the world; they don't have to be down the same street, which is quite good. Um, but how is that for you then? So, what remind us what work you were doing as, uh, outside of the singer songwriter and the touring? What things were you doing? otherwise that had to be paused Mm. so other than furlough I've had the full experience really because I did a day a week freelance for a charity so I had the experience of that's just gone um and then I worked for a company a private company teaching music tech and they had us working from home right so it was quite interesting and the charity that I worked for within I mean, they, they obviously we were just freelance, so we weren't they weren't beholden to us in any way. But they um, immediately said um, they shut us down before the official kind of lockdown. So we just don't feel it's safe you going into these mixed environments. So they had like that duty of care straight off the bat, and they were like, "We're going to pay you for the next two weeks, though," um, which you know, a was great because they didn't have to, and yeah. b at the time there was a potential. Uh, that some of us were still grasping onto some hope that that's what that might look like. So they were basically kind of trying to offer to let's just ride this yeah. this out. Little did we know how long. And working for them was just incredible because they very quickly um, to look after the musicians that work for them and also the people they work for. So they provide like um, music um, in prison settings. They like really quickly, like creatively came up with ideas for how to do things remotely in environments that have no 
internet tech access like we did like distant songwriting projects we mm. did like different worksheets and playlists and it was quite interesting to be working on those projects whilst having a conservative government tell us that we should retrain and I thought no like what you need now more than anything is creativity like creative ways to come come up with solutions because not only did people start talking about the mental health crisis of lockdown, which this charity was entirely trying to tackle in one of the places, prisons, which was about to face the biggest and is still reeling from the biggest mental health crisis because these were people locked down for 23 hours a day in a tiny six-foot box. But So it's the creativity of how important music and art and all those things are in a difficult time, but it was also just the creative solutions because everyone was being creative you know the scientists the information professionals were like right how do we do this differently so it was yeah it's quite funny not funny haha funny frustrating to be told oh you should probably just retrain in cyber and it's like well you could perhaps look at what these organizations are doing who work in a world where technology can't be part of what they Mm. deliver and they're doing such incredible things um anyway because that was a bit of a rant (laughs) and then I had the working from home so worked at home for the best part of four months um on full pay and I think that was also just again when it started the company were like do we refigure contracts or do furlough or how long is it going to last so and also they did still want us to be providing um as teachers we were like sending packs into the prison and the guys were just working in their rooms and that was interesting because it is really nice to only have a minute from your bed to your office. Yeah. <laughs> like that side of it's nice, but then there was a lot of pressure to evidence what work you were doing. I think yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of mistrust. It was a really new way of working. And I would say about an hour of my day was spent writing up maybe longer, actually what I've done with my day to mm. evidence and like sending through evidence of what I've done. So that was interesting. And then I also live with a postman and a teacher, so key workers. So I could see the other side of like what it meant to have to still be going out every day and be worried about what that might look like or be like or getting sick. Or so it was like it got quite a rounded experience of, of the employment options, but with a big chunk of privilege that we all live in a really nice house with a garden and and all that stuff and internet and we, connection yeah. being the other yes thing. yeah yeah um i'm interested in that having to report every day and write that down then yeah. was that useful in any way because something i'm i've found i don't do it in any big thing like that but i do this thing called little wins where every day i try and remember to just make a note of either something i've done that was like I've got three goals for the year, basically, that I'm trying to achieve. So if I do something towards one of those goals, however small, I'll try and remember to make a note of it. Or if something happens, if I get a nice email or or whatever, or just something pleasant happens, I try and make a note of that every day because they're just the little things that slip by. And when, when you're into the week and you're like, oh, it's been a shit week, they don't show up, but all of the negative things do. And it's it's very interesting because even if I miss one or two days and then try and fill them in at the end of the week they've gone so you've got to sort of trawl through your emails and really be like oh no yeah I did get that nice email that was that day so I wonder having to do all that reporting I don't know if you'd ever look back at that now and be like oh god I was putting a lot of work into that and that went well or that didn't go well but at least I tried had that had any use to it yeah I'm really into stuff like that I really like your little wins and I do similar things for myself and I find that kind of way of journaling or mapping what you do really useful I, th- I think if the company had perhaps thought a bit more creatively and just said share with us your wins for that day yeah. share with us some of your challenges but what it felt like was a minute by minute account of what you'd done that could be questioned <laughs> did that look like it really took 20 minutes uh, did yeah. it and it was just in a culture of um you know I was very happy to be at home as I say I'm really fortunate um I really felt for the learners who the prisoners that I weren't Mm. able to see but outside of kind of missing and being able to do my proper job I did have more time to myself because I didn't have the commute um or whatever I could do my work in my pajamas but and I I kind of didn't find it too deeply offensive to have them kind of big brothering over what I was doing but for some people that was a massive challenge to be at home it wasn't an easy living environment or 
or what have you. So to, to then feel that you were put in that situation and there was mistrust over what you were doing with that time was probably not really that well met. And I think mm. that some employers, not necessarily talking about mine, I've heard this conversation wider than the places I've worked, perhaps could have taken into account that it wasn't anybody's choice. So if they were finding the silver lining of maybe getting away with a little bit less, they were living through a pandemic. They might have had sick relatives or or just anything going on for them mental health wise. So do you know if they didn't get eight hours in that day, do you do you really need me to write a report every day on what I'm up to? I don't I just so it didn't feel could have been come out from a much more positive place. But you know, to be fair to the people above, everyone's just making it up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Are all the, uh, okay, all those jobs back to sort of real life now, or have some of them not gone back to how they were? Yeah, they are, but we're still very much reeling from that situation. And I think mm. it's okay to openly talk about it because I think it's happening in every industry. Is that the pressure that COVID had on short staff, which mm. is still happening, we still have people off at the places that I work with COVID has led to us having a considerably higher amount of people off long-term sick, predominantly with stress from having to cover the situation the right. situation of short staff. And we are really sure. And I think part of it was as soon as COVID seemed to be over, they wanted to rush that businesses back as usual. But but it it it, it wasn't. We still do have quite high numbers of people off. Um, and so people were then quite stretched, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're going to take a long time to kind of even out from that. But on the surface, yeah, things are so much better, like back at work, back face to face, like with the prisoners. And that's that's really good. But I think it is going to take a long time to unravel it, it all. Mm. Um, it's a bit different for me, I guess, because I had that time out being unwell as well. But I do sometimes get frustrated Um nobody wears a mask in one of the places that I work and that's fine that's their choice I, I choose to wear a mask if I'm kind of sitting in a meeting and we're going to be in there for an hour and there's 30 of us or in some scenarios I don't always wear one mm-hmm. and that's fine that's my choice but I do get frustrated sitting in meetings when we've got three people off with COVID and people are saying what can we do about this there's just nothing we can do there's absolutely nothing we can do what can we do? and we don't distance we don't use hand gel we don't wear masks and I just sort of think there is some really simple stuff we could still be doing that hopefully wouldn't put anybody out that could make this all a little bit easier (laughs) so I don't know that might be because obviously I've had health challenges so I'm a little bit more sensitive to it so perhaps I I do try to take that on board but I don't know it does seem to me that there are some simple things we could have kept in place for a bit longer to try and without as you say really get out of this situation without putting anybody out particularly is the thing yeah yeah because lockdown puts people out oh yeah (laughs) i don't know if for the majority of us wearing a mask does it certainly puts some people out i do appreciate that but i'm not sure yeah Hmm. minnie you've mentioned that you've had some health challenges amongst all the lockdown and all the rest of it as well so how has that impacted things a lot i think is the answer yeah yeah just (laughs) I don't know what the word is a lot yeah it has impacted things a lot and I think that um it's quite hard for me to unravel or imagine how I might have emerged out of lockdown or how I might have looked at things because I because I really don't know because I I had had some symptoms of illness for some time that you know I try not to think about it because it can make you a bit despondent and upset I guess but that could not be dealt with because of lockdown right um I guess they were triaging things a bit more stricter and it you know really could only see someone at some points if if your head was hanging off um so yeah but I got kind of a clearer diagnosis starting in kind of like March April (laughs) um 2021 so kind of really coming into the like unlocking time like literally a year later so that so it's quite hard for me to unravel what it would be like because I was then submerged into the hospital world and for the world of hospitals because um unfortunately they're 
departments I was in was oncology they mm. were still taking COVID extremely seriously. So it's quite a mind bend for me when I started going back to work and <laughs> to go from PPE, like testing your temperature, always wearing a mask, being really cautious to like a world that it, it felt like I was operating in a different world. It felt like I was a different class of citizen or something. I know that sounds really extreme, but it just felt like there was this world set up for these people and you're just going to have to operate in a different one for a while like this doesn't apply to you kind of thing which sounds dramatic but I have heard people who have chronic illness or long-term things kind of talk like that because it it did feel like can you can you make those choices if other people aren't because it wasn't the masks were always about protecting other other people Mm -hmm. or yeah so I think it probably obviously that actually being ill was a setback but maybe psychologically as well around health anxiety of doing things publicly would be a setback but then I unfortunately had like a physical because I had surgery on my arm setback to actually playing the guitar so it took a long while to get that to that so yeah just you know like how music career can sometimes just feel like you're pushing that stone up the hill and if you stop you don't get to just wait on the hill you slip back down (laughs) I just yeah I just I'm under the ground at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I can't even. I can't even see the hill anymore. <laughs> so, uh, it was quite a setback. <laughs> yeah. No, I can. I can ke- totally appreciate that. Yeah. Like that was again with our tour stopping and being paused. It definitely. Mm. I felt like there was some momentum behind that. Which mm. you know there is. There's all kinds of stuff, but it definitely felt like there was some momentum with that. And then having to stop. And then, like, trying to book shows again, but venues have got their backlog from now, like, three years ago. And festivals have got their backlogs, and then other pl- people aren't doing stuff yet, or some venues, sadly, have gone. Um, and then just the challenges keep coming. So at the moment, we're obviously talking whilst the um, we're in the period of mourning for, the, for Queen Elizabeth II passing, which the knock-on of that has meant that some events aren't taking place for right or for wrong. So it's kind of like every step. Oh, man. <laughs> And then you know, Walking through mud. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's the winter's coming up now. What's that going to mean for COVID safety? And then oh, there's a cost of living crisis, and I was going to go out anyway. So then to have a health thing going on top of that as well, I can imagine. Yeah, you would feel like you were being, mm-hmm. you know, had the weight of that rock. On, on Which top is, of but it. when you say all that, that's why I think I do have to remember that my journey is different to other people's because when you say all that, I think that's why no one at work is wearing a mask or thinking about it or right. and it, it's not something I should feel sensitive about because I guess I think I have sometimes thought oh no one thinks about people that are vulnerable or do that but it's just people are at their limit and if they're given a slither of do you want to forget about this for a bit then fair play to them for taking it and I you mm. know people kind of were given a you know and it's up to you now covid's over kind of thing and i I don't think you can judge anyone almost for kind of running with that idea Mm. because they've just had so much for so long Mm. um i don't know Mm. during the the, all of that then were you writing as well Uh, i guess what points you were at points you weren't how did that work yeah like i i was writing a lot all of the time i feel so lucky that I have that way of like getting my feelings out somehow because I guess like not everyone has that and I've always had that and I've created and written a lot of terrible things I've created and written a lot of things that I think actually that's really beautiful (laughs) um yeah so I was able to write a lot during that time and usually I write with my guitar like we're partners Mm -hmm. but I couldn't play my guitar so um I was just writing lyrics so it's been nice to spend a bit more time yeah doing that Mm. and then you were also involved in quite a lot of like recording for other people at points I think weren't you whether it was you were editing a podcast weren't you at one point I remember talking to you about that but then also you were recording your voice and stuff of other people's projects I think points in the lot yeah I think that a lot of this is I guess this is also what's quite beautiful about music is some things came out during that period mm. that I'd done before because obviously you track something for someone I'm trying to think now of what came out um yeah you do stuff for somebody and then they don't release it for six months or a year or because they're planning the whole project so mm. that was yeah it was nice to still be doing things and I did some 
um, just audio editing for a lady who does um, kind of uh, hypnotherapy and like relaxation it, yeah. and meditation things. Um, so that was that was yeah nice to kind of just get back to doing those those things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so something's changed a lot for me in that last couple of years. Then is the facility to record from home. So I've always done it, and then this whole mm. project is about the fact that I. I never felt like I, I just was wanted to set myself up to be able to record little demos that I could then take into a studio. And then over the, a period of time, that's kind of changed into me being like, oh, maybe I should try doing stuff here and putting it out. Um, which maybe wouldn't have happened in quite the same way without COVID. I'm not sure. It's like I say, it's difficult to know sometimes, isn't it? How mm. about for you? Have you felt more at home recording at home because you had the time to do it and then potentially you'll put stuff out? And then I know there's something you've done with your coffee, which you've, I think I'm right in saying this. You've sometimes put stuff out at a stage that you might not have done before. Mm, yeah, definitely. I just put like demos and things on there. It's really nice, isn't it, to have, because we both have Kofi accounts, um, which is similar to those Patreon things where you're sharing with a small group of, yeah, um, or a large group of supporters. And yeah, it feels really nice to kind of have like a little safe space to share some things that maybe go nowhere. And I definitely, after the time that I have, there's a bit of me that is always trying to find that balance between only releasing things that I really believe in and I'm proud of, but also realising like time is quite short. Because <laughs> I I wasn't particularly happy with my last record with um, the football record I did. You're not really? singing anymore. I had a really short amount of time to record it in because of uh, funding and because of work. So I always have to book time off. <laughs> and then I lost, and then booking that around a producer, I lost one of the days to like an insane amount of traffic. I was literally like four hours late and just didn't quite get exactly what I sort of wanted. And then I, there was the should I, shouldn't I release it because of, the pandemic so I've released it early in lockdown time I think um but then I realized if I hadn't have run with that recording if I hadn't have made it then I still wouldn't have made that record and it is what it is and I have to try to remember like what record means from a like librarian point of view like it is a record like it is a record of this thing that happened at this time yeah put in this archive in this case a cd or a file of a captured moment and then there is space to do more things but if you didn't capture that in the moment and lock it down in history you might not get the chance to do that i don't know so it's quite a good lesson in just like letting go of a bit of ego and thinking actually i'm so pleased that i did that because i don't know if i'd have got the gumption mm. to do it i don't know i just felt yeah, I just felt like it was hurried. It's trying to fit in a lot of things. I guess maybe a lot of people have reflected on that since lockdown as well. I was trying to work on a record whilst working um, more than I did six days a week at that point. I don't do that anymore, like working alongside doing music stuff. It all just felt a bit rushed and a bit hurried. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, really pleased with the support I got for it and the reviews. And yeah, it was lovely. And particularly the audio recordings that people sent me like I am really pleased with the record in that way I just I know how rushed and tired I was when I made it if that makes sense yeah and that's an interesting thing in itself isn't it is like how as artists you know we don't necessarily separate the project or the product from what was happening at the time good or bad mm. whereas to an audience they they, they don't need to know they might not even care about that stuff I suppose it's just what they hear that is the, the the final thing isn't it? it's interesting yeah the Kofi thing I've got you to thank for getting me for encouraging me to do that because the same thing I was like, oh, I don't think anyone's gonna be that interested in me doing that and I don't want to put out stuff that's not finished and like the idea of having exclusivity is cool but like it feels like I have to grab every fan by the lapels at a gig. So trying to make things exclusive rather than just throwing it at everybody seems a silly idea. But it's kind of worked. You know, it's a small small numbers for me, but it's been very useful in the album to be like, oh, I've done this, I'm thinking about doing this, what do people think? And just to have a couple of people say, oh, I liked it. It's all you need sometimes, actually. 
Um, I'm thinking about this for a title. Is this rubbish? Because you don't know, do you? When you're in the midst of creating stuff, sometimes you literally don't know. Is that a great idea? Is that a terrible idea? And it's useful to just sort of have people be like, mm. <laughs> or yeah. yeah, yeah, I get where you're coming from. That's very nice. And then just people supporting financially. I think it's easy for people to get the wrong end of the stick about this, I think, when artists are asking for for supports from patreon or, or whatever it is or as i've been doing for this album a pre-order yes the financial element of it is is very useful and necessary when it comes for, for me for this one it's basically producing the physical copies and getting the mastering finished like mm. that's expensive um so that's very helpful but it's also this emotional thing of like people do care a bit then you know, and like maybe they just be nice when they say nice things, but to part with a bit of money means they actually do care, and it's kind of like having a commission. Same with Kofi. If someone throws a couple of quid at you every month just to have a listen to what you're doing and what your projects are, that can, for me, have that moment of going, oh, it's worth me doing this and sharing it because people out there are interested. And I had a very similar thing when we did our online shows after the tour um, had to be paused. So we tried to do an online show I think for all of the gigs that were remaining sort of with us in partnership with the venues and everybody was doing online gigs but our approach to it I think was kind of like we'll have a go see what happens we'll make it possible for people to chuck um, a tip at us if they want to and I think we got quite surprised sometimes by how that went just the generosity of people Mm. and again I think it was the same reason I don't think they were necessarily saying this is the most amazing online show I've ever watched I think it was as much like please keep doing your stuff because we like your stuff and I think Mm. particularly at that moment that was incredibly helpful to me Mm. I I follow a few patrons and Kofi's um and and I really like seeing that progression Mm. of a track from a demo through to like the final piece and and being a part of it so I I really love particularly when with social media and things there's you can have like quite a lot of access to artists. So it does feel quite nice when you're part of like their special club. And so I think that the fact that I enjoy it from other artists, like emboldened me to share what might have been deemed crappy demos. Um, (laughs) So, but also for me, if this is, this isn't right and it's not how like any creator should feel, but it's just my truth. I feel like, sitting and making music should be the last thing on my to-do list it feels so self-indulgent I feel like I should get all my work done I should be a better friend girlfriend daughter whatever first do the housework first and um that making music is like a selfish thing that I just do for me to feed my ego I don't know whatever and when you've got people on your Kofi account not that anyone who supports you on Kofi would be like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> we need more content, please. But there's a bit of accountability there as well to think like actually, oh, like you said with the commission, like I'm actually creating this for someone else. So I can sort of see this almost as a as a job. It's not just a completely self-indulgent thing. And in that way, like I have sort of been able to cut like carve the time more because it feels like it should it shouldn't fall off my to-do list as much as it used to um and I hate sort of admitting that because it sort of goes against anything I would ever say to anybody who was talking about their own art I'd be like no you must find time to create and it's important and it's valid and all those things but it's it's just true it's Mm. it just can fall off the list quite easily um yeah so Kofi is very good for that accountability you feel like you're on a little team like a team of people that you're kind of working with and for and yeah yeah nice and like the, the people that followed me in particular on Kofi were like incredible incredible when I was unwell and in hospital like so many people were really incredible but that particular group of people some people were messaging me like consistently throughout and checking up on me and kind of understanding that I'd disappeared <laughs> a little bit and yeah it was really really nice to have that kind of network of people around me so mm. yeah I would recommend anybody who is, sh- is sharing things that they created or wants to kind of share their progress and of, with stuff mm. think about mm. it yeah just thought you made me think of from that then when you were in the like the throes of that and hospital visits and all the rest of it how mm, how much 
did you want to or not to <laughs> share all that with your social media and your followers and stuff like were you wanting that to be very private were you wanting you know because there's because there's several ways of going with that I would imagine when you're in that situation mm. it could be this is my personal life this is private between me and whoever I don't want to talk about it or mm. I think it would be easy to be a bit like this is really shitty I want people to know and on some level kind of you know say it's all right or whatever where were you with that stuff yeah I think that I realized um that I found things quite triggering for want of a better word more like I always know that quite a lot of people have their own story particularly with cancer so I was quite aware of like when I I kind of stayed away from social media quite a bit because it's actually quite hard to do much scrolling without seeing something that can cause a bit Mm. of anxiety around that so I think I was a little bit aware of that Mm. when I if I posted anything so I think I tried to not I really don't want to be the social media account that somebody else might fall onto and it make them feel that dread right so I was a little bit aware of that um mostly it was just lovely though whenever I shared anything it was really nice to get those like comments and messages um from people just just, like showing a bit of support for sort of what you're going through and um I guess the kind of strange thing is is if you share a little bit I think sometimes people can make the assumption that you've you've shared the lot (laughs) and actually that's Uh. kind of not often the case so sometimes it is a little bit hard for you to be like oh that all seems kind of all right then and you're like on that day when I mustered up the positive post, yes. Because, yeah, you're not going to share. There's so much, um, which I guess anyone who's going to do any hospital thing will know of just being weighed and poked and told to get naked and go here to give blood and do this and do that. Like the tiny small things of every day mm. that like you wouldn't tell people about that, that, that are quite quite difficult, I think, mm-hmm. that do like add up. So definitely given me like a lot more um understanding for other people going through things that even if people seem to be sharing a lot online actually they're probably not even if they're posting something every day telling you about their situation it's you're probably still not necessarily understanding truly um but I still if I met somebody who'd been through exactly the same thing as me I'm still not sure entirely what I'd say to them it's very difficult isn't it when someone's facing something that you can't you just want to practically help don't you yeah. just want to do something but um yeah so I'm waffling a little bit here but I guess I probably still don't really know but I don't think that's just um with regard to health stuff I think I just I don't always know what to share on social media and I will forever share things that get lots of engagement and it's a total surprise to me <laughs> and I will forever share things that I think are a work of art and only a couple of people will notice. <laughs> and that's, I've, I've made my peace with that, Robert. Yeah, I've yeah, made my yeah. peace with that. <laughs> yeah, in exactly the same way as you can do the same show in different venues or in the same show at the same venue at different times and you'll have a great audience one day and then people aren't interested another time. And it's there's yeah. so much out of your control as to why that is and you probably won't even ever know. <laughs> yeah. You've just got to and and you forget that it's the same, talking about something deeply personal is the same as promoting an album. So even your, like, most supportive followers won't see every post so to you also your understanding of the narrative of what other people are getting is really limited because um I've had people who have engaged with my posts then ask me questions that I'm like oh okay so they've engaged a lot with things I've said but no I definitely didn't do this falling off of roller skates kind of thing so I've had that a few times where I think oh someone's just seen a post from yeah. summer 2021 of me on my, or 2020 with me on roller skates and then they've seen me in hospital and I was like oh okay so some you could never control the chronology of what people see so I guess you can just only share what you feel comfortable with at the time I suppose and yeah 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 hope it lands hope it lands somewhere and makes someone else feel joyful or um like they're they're not alone in something or hmm. Great. Okay. You uh, obviously we've mentioned the shows that you've done recently. Are there more in the diary? Have you got more gigs lined up? Yeah. So I've got. I've got. We, we've got two 
two gigs booked in one in October and one in February time so um yeah just hoping to slowly get yeah more sort of booked in I had to turn down a lot of gigs over the last year um so I'm hoping that some of those will like come back around so yeah looking forward to doing a little a few little bits more I'm still not um I'm not really thinking about booking a run of dates or anything just little ad hoc things that pop up great and it to finish then if there was one thing that stressed you out about playing shows or doing music or anything that you fancy talking about from before pandemic and before the rest of the stuff that's gone on that you hope has gone and you don't have to think about it anymore what would that be so for me i thought it was going to be this thing of being less stressed about if anybody comes <laughs> i'd hoped it would be that like because that's one thing that you I've always enjoyed booking shows and the logistics of it and all that kind of stuff. But there is that point three days before when you're really worried if anyone's going to turn up. Uh, no, actually, I'm going to change what I'm saying. It's not worried if people are going to turn up. It's that feeling of it's going to be terribly embarrassing when there's only a couple of people in the room and me. Like, it's I'm going to look like a, an idiot. I'm trying to let go of that idea. <laughs> Don't know how possible it is. Is there something for mm. you that's like that? Yeah, I, I think... I don't think that's just an egotistical thing though is it I think it's really difficult to be an audience member of like a handful of people yes I'm and feeling think... that way for the audience that's all it is really yeah. <laughs> no but yeah like I think that's what I feel that thing of like how do I make this a really wonderful show mm. without them feeling like I'm gazing into their eyes <laughs> singing just for them and they can't really you know if you turn up at a show um you've got work the next day and you plan to leave before the final two songs and there's only you in the audience well you're a little bit scuppered there aren't you so <laughs> I think it is I think I think that's one of the biggest things musicians worry about but it's because like we want to entertain and put on a really good show and that is hard to do for just a couple of people not because you can't be bothered to like do an incredible show just for two people. It's because it is a bit bloody awkward, isn't it? For them. You know, if they want to just get up and get a quick beer, it's a bit like, sorry, sorry. Just, 50% yeah, of the want... audience is gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a really good question. Oh, my cat is coming to join us. <laughs> that's a really good question. I think mine is probably just feeling a little bit more, confident to say no to things that aren't uh. gonna work um so like someone asked me recently if I wanted to play a gig on December 28th and I don't know why because they're really asking they'd probably be happy for you to say no but I think previously I'd be like gosh someone's asking me they want to hear me at their venue I should just say yes now because they might not have another date and that's so great they've asked me and I was just like do you know what I don't have much luck rousing my followers from their mince pies during that time I think that's a no, that between Christmas and New Year, I think, no, I don't really fancy it. And I know that sounds really small, but that's that's quite a big change for me. And I was just like, no, if it, do you have another date that I could maybe come and play? And they were like, no, actually, we don't. And I was like, oh, well, never mind, yeah. then I just won't come and play for you. Like, I just, and I think I partly just feel really, like, honoured when people want me to play. But I think I also partly have that weird little thing of, like, that gig could be the gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be the one that I don't even really know what the that is. Do you know what I mean? Like what where I don't know the head of it, like Atlantic Records is there. What is the what? What is it that I'm thinking of? I don't even know. But I have this thing in my head of like that could be the gig. I I should say yes to it. So I think I'm just like, yeah, I just think I'm just gonna say no to more stuff. Since yeah, that before lockdown I'd have probably just said yes to. That's the freelancer thing in general though, isn't it? Like I was so used to just scraping around for stuff that you feel like you have to say yes to everything. But I think there's a bit of experience, isn't there? Like you don't have to say yes to everything, and like, but also just the um, like that's instinct, isn't it? Like, and I hmm. I think I've got better over the years at judging, uh, trusting my instincts. Like the little voice that says that probably won't work all that well, but you go, no, nah, be fine. Because we'll sometimes you're wrong, right? Sometimes things work out great when you weren't expecting them to. Yeah. But often they don't. <laughs> I think at this point, for probably both of us, often you've got a sense yeah. and you're kind of right. I think. Um. Yeah. yeah, it's a confidence. It's the other one. I remember us talking about this probably even before we did our tour. We were talking about that thing of when someone says, how much money do you want? And like the first few times that that happens, it's kind of like, oh, well, usually people just pay <laughs> the bare minimum that they can. So what do I actually ask? Usually for? I would be paying you. Yeah, so yeah. how does this work? 
that's it. And then it's like, oh, God, but if I say too much, if I say too little, you're going to say yes, and then I wonder if I could have asked for more. And if I say too uh, too much, you're going to be terribly offended. Like, But I think buying and selling houses comes into that. Like The idea where you're like, if we if we off too low, they're going to be offended. Well, no, because they still want to sell their house. So probably they'll just have a negotiation with you, hopefully. And if they're not going to negotiate like a gig thing, then it's probably not worth doing the gig, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. that might not be the case i don't know but like if people aren't prepared to have a conversation about that stuff what gets me with it the whole of the rant why do they ask if they know what they want to pay why do they then ask what you want so that they can go oh no we couldn't possibly pay you that anyway but yeah i think that's a hard one isn't it but i feel like i've got better at that yeah but i guess maybe why some people ask is they're feeling the same as us they're like is what i'm going to offer offensive or am i going to over offer and i could get away with putting on another gig later down the line because actually i was going to offer them this thing which who knows and there isn't um you know i think i could be wrong in this but some of the prices that sort of the musicians union around that kind of recommend around waging a musician seems to me to be more about a session musician or somebody maybe running a workshop um, they're not realistic prices for venues. So I think a lot of the time when people ask me is I kind of come back saying, what is the deal with the night? Like the mm. gig I just played the weekend, I was like, what is the deal with uh, people being charged to come in? And if so, should we just, should we split, mm-hmm. should we split that ticket money? Because <laughs> there's most, what would we do without promoters? It's such for so many people, such a thankless job. And there are some numpties out there because there's numpties in every area of life but I think a lot of the promoters that I play for um yeah that they're not they're not paying themselves a great deal of money to do all this legwork um and as much as obviously you need the musicians obviously do you kind of need someone to organize the gig as well and, <laughs> and get get the people there as well and that's yeah. like the best prom- a lot of promoters when i was like starting out in bands and stuff seem to have forgotten the promoter bit they'll organize a night and get yeah them. but the actual getting promoter that seems to be up to the artist like now, the people that i think we work with and again this is an experience thing can you tell from an email conversation sometimes like how someone you've not worked with before whether you've approached them or they've approached you like an email or two in, I can kind of tell if they're someone who's into music and wants to bring music to their venue or their town or whatever and will do their best to promote it or whether they're doing it for some other unfathomable reason. Can you tell? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm. And I think there'll be plenty of times where I don't tell. And maybe maybe this is a bit sad, but I think I think I'm although I'm getting better at saying no to things, I think I would still always rather uh on the side of yes following my gut instinct but always like I'd rather be like well that was a lesson learned than yeah. walk away from somebody who wasn't brilliant at communicating their thoughts but did yeah, have yeah. like music community at their heart of stuff I don't know yeah. Yeah. I don't know but the music world is a very small one isn't it so people talk I think that's probably the best way to find out where to play isn't it yeah <laughs> and we tell yeah. each other things we certainly we do experiences yeah we do and um and, and it'll be the same for promoters as well there'll be absolute nightmare musicians and hopefully they talk and say gosh don't have robert he's a right prima donna pain in the butt yeah cost us two grand to put on uh yeah and that was on a cheap night you know yeah i tried sang and- a song about a flying machine <laughs> what next again yeah every fucking time told that story again <laughs> yes yeah exactly <laughs> that's true um the promoters all talk certainly (laughs) everybody talks and it is a fairly small circuit that was the other thing actually with all of this stuff as well like the amazing innovations that people like um well i won't name it so all sorts of people were doing with their sharing their videos and doing their music collaborations and stuff and yeah just it was loads of great promoters who did things to make um the the online world like more of a gig you know like Mm -hmm. I played it I played at the green note during lockdown and played on a bill with other artists I hadn't met before and Mm. put me in front of their audiences Mm -hmm. a bit as well like yeah so the promoters really stepped up and did some really cool stuff Mm. during lockdown too Mm. Good. Mini, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. That's all been very, very, very fascinating. If people oh, watching yeah. wanted to find out more about you, what's the best way of seeing what you're up to or having a, a chat with um, you about stuff? Yes, 
I have a website if you can call it that's minibirch.co.uk and that that is the place really that will then link to you know if you want to see what gigs I'm doing read my blog come chat to me on Instagram or go to the shop it's one of my favorite buttons on the website <laughs> yeah it's pretty bad is probably the best place but I feel like I wish I had not waffled on so much and had a chance to ask you more stuff but <laughs> it's your your um launch so hopefully we'll be hearing a lot more from you cool thank you very much <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> speak soon yeah mm-hmm.